Saturday night, April 19th, the Superdome will be the side of the biggest live wrestling event in history. See in person the top 20 teams in wrestling compete for a $1 million prize in the first Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament. Teams signed and scheduled to compete live in the Dome include the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Press, Dusty Rhodes, the Magnum TA, the Road Warriors, the Mid-South Tag Champions, the Russians, and much more. These great teams, along with the many others, will battle for the $1 million prize live in the Dome. Tickets for this event go on sale at all Ticketmaster outlets on Monday, March 10th. Get your tickets early. We welcome back to the show today, Terry Canova. How you doing, Terry? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Excited to be here and uh, kind of missing Phil, man. Yeah. Uh, Phil is a very I, I, busy man this weekend, isn't he? Yes, yes. And uh, I feel a little handcuffed today because, you know, Phil's the expert <laughs> and, uh, and and I'm just kind of, uh, you know, I'm the fly on the wall that, that, that you know, says a few things here and there. So I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I hope I can live up to it. It's all right. It's all good. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to get through this. It's going to be a really good show. So this is, this is something I've been looking forward to because all, all roads on Mid-South television and UWF television as actually was by this point are leading to the Crockett Cup. So to give it its full title, the Jim Crockett Senior Tag Team Memorial Cup. So future known Crockett Cup. Um, so first of all, Terry, was this in your... Were you aware of this? Can you have it? Do you have any memory of this back at the time? Did you go to it? Because I know, I know, were you serving around this time, or were you? Had you finished college and stuff by the time this came around? Yeah, so so I, I totally missed this. Uh, I, I would have been in the army at this time, yeah. uh, and and was really unaware of it at the time. Now, now since you know, since then, with YouTube and and all that other stuff, I've, I've had a chance to watch it multiple times. But uh, but yeah, w- was not aware of it at the time. Would have loved to been at at, at an event like this because it's yes. a pretty amazing event when you just think of all the talent and, and all of the people there. This was pretty star-studded. The bit that I, I talked about this on a show recently. The bit I don't understand is why between them, between Crockett and Watts, they didn't try and put this on closed circuit um, because I think it would have done some business, wouldn't it? Because I think a lot of people would have been interested. I mean, they were pushing this on. Um, the uh the Jim Crockett television show, you know, obviously on UWF. You think of all the homes at those with TBS and the and the UWF show at this point. Lots of people would have been interested in seeing this, but it was just it was only for the arena and for home for home a limited home video release of two hours of this ended up on a videotape, um, which I think is the second more of the second half. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting on around business decisions as to why they didn't do that. Yeah, and, and I guess I guess it may be again, lends to why Vince McMahon ended up uh, ruling the world, so to yes. speak, with, yeah. with wrestling, because, you know, he, he had a little more foresight when it came to things like this, because you're right. If, if you were a fan of NWA wrestling, like I was, I, you know, the WWE or WWF at the time, you know, once Hogan took over, to me, it was too cartoonish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to see the hard hitting NWA style. And, and I know there were, you know, so many people like myself, you know, and so so I wish, you know, the the uh, the brains that be would have would have had the foresight because you're right. I think this could have could have done great numbers. Well, yeah, uh, in, in any capacity. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know whether it was a create like a, was it a creative thing? I mean, we'll get on to, you know, a lot. Well, you know, and I don't want to jump too too far forward, but creatively there was some interesting stuff towards the back end of this tournament, and I wonder whether that might be a prohibitor to some of these to, to this being shown on um, close circuit. I'm pretty sure that the original Starcades or the early Starcades were available 
on closed circuit, maybe a limited mm-hmm. closed circuit. Um, yeah, it's just just an odd one. Did you watch the YouTube version or the Peacock slash WWE Network version of this? Uh, YouTube, as a matter of fact, as we started, I was just pulling it up again. I'm, I'll have it on here in the background. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I may have seen the WWE version mm. before. Uh, but but the, the one I've watched the last couple of days has been the YouTube version because there's there's a little bit of a time difference. So I'm interested in seeing what the what the difference is because I wa- I watched the WWE Network version, which clocked in a, a mammoth four hours and seven minutes. Um, but we don't get any. We basically, um, we start after five matches of the first round are not taped for some reason. Um, so, so basically, we we miss Wahoo McDaniel and Mark Youngblood defeating Bobby Jaggers and Mike Miller. Nelson Royal and Sam Houston defeated the Batten Twins. Uh, Jimmy Valiant and Manny, Fernan- Manny Fernandez defeated Baron Ron Rashke and the Barbarian. Um, and Terry Taylor and Steve Williams defeated Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell. Um, and we also didn't get the Sheep Herders defeating Hector and Chavo Guerrero as well. So all of that. I, I feel like he's all lost to the annals of time. I presume none of that was on. Um, I don't. I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't because I think you started on YouTube the same as me, which is Stan Lane and Steve Kern versus yeah. the Fantastics, wasn't it? So let's jump into match six of the first round, and um, the Fantastics were wearing a lovely sparkly blue and salmon <laughs> coloured jackets here, which I thought, which is they look great, didn't they? Million dollars. <laughs> they, they, they really did. Uh, going, going back to those those five earlier matches. The, no disrespect to uh, Nelson Royal and all of his fans in the Mid-Atlantic area, but uh, I can see why that one was left off. But if you look at some of the other ones, I mean, I, I would have been very, very entertained by Dr. Death, Terry Taylor, and yeah, Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell. Yeah. I'd have been very entertained by that. And the Sheep Herders against the Guerreros had to be pretty fun. Now, at the, in the early stages of a tournament like this, not so much. But can you imagine seeing them in a main event somewhere? Yeah, I mean th- yeah. Th- that would have been a very good match. Yeah, it's just a bit. It's just a bit. The the whole thing at the start is a little bit strange in terms of like the way that this was kind of produ- produced or or not produced really, um, because this um, there's no commentary at all. Um, but I, I understand that there are there are some versions somewhere which have got um commentary on which i guess is the do you know what i've done i've done something on my notes here where i can't get the cursor to move which is which is the first time i've done it so i've like i've frozen basically on the, the start so which is really 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 good i don't know how to click off this which is uh i'm see, just yeah see, I mean, we missing, we missing phil we missing phil i know right? i don't know what i've done here let's just <laughs> let's see if i can get out of this this is really really good um it's like it's highlighted the whole thing and it's just literally going up and down. And I can't, um, I can't, I might have to edit this out of this actually. Let's try and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, my, here we go. Is this right now? It's like, oh, I know what it is. You know, I've just discovered what it was. So my, my microphone was on my, my um, laptop, like trackpad. So I thought it was, it, thought it was touching. Yeah, I'm not going to edit that out. I hope you've enjoyed that if you listen to that. I can't <laughs> yes. always edit it out. So yeah, so. Back where we were, so no commentary on this this version. And though I mentioned, I believe on some of the highlight short packages, there are there are commentary. So I guess on the television, um, sorry, on the videotape that was sold, they would have added it in afterwards. And there's no hard camera at the start, and I was kind of worried at the, um, in the early going of this that this was going to be four hours of steady cam footage, which which luckily it wasn't. Uh, but it was in the early going. 
Um, Fulton took a super kick at around the seven-minute mark that led to him flying over the top rope, but this did not lead to a DQ, uh, presumably because he wasn't thrown over the top rope. Rather, his momentum took him over. Um, Rogers had his very tanned rear end exposed at the 10-minute mark, which I'm sure was a lovely treat for a decent proportion of this audience. Uh, and Rogers ended up hulking up on the outside after hitting the deck again, but his rally was short-lived. Um, and as I mentioned, the, the production here was was quite odd. It was steady cams, and it was a lot of zooming, um, which actually meant at some points things were missed. So it was like you were sitting ringside, but you were really close up on some of this stuff. And it was a little, it was just a little bit difficult to kind of rate the match in a traditional sense with this production. I found um, it was a it was pretty unique while filming wrestling. Not that it was terrible; it's just very different. Uh, eventually, the Fantastics won with a roll up in fourteen minutes and nineteen seconds. So clearly, a you know lengthy match here. Um, and I thought this was good fun, even though I did find. The bits I've talked about a bit of a bit of a distraction. What did you think about the fantastic versus the fabulous ones here? You know, like like I mentioned in the beginning, you know, I missed a lot of this uh, being away at the arm in the army. Uh, but the Fabs are really a good looking team. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, from a physique standpoint, you know, and and the, and the Fantastics are not bad looking physique wise, yeah. but. But the Fabs are just jacked up. They, they, they really are. And, and and so, yeah, this was an entertaining match. Um, fun to watch. Good action. I, I understand completely what you're saying about, about the camera angle stuff. Um, I guess the, 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 the thing that I kind of took from it, I like it. Even though you might miss some production things, uh, I, I like it because you do feel like you're right there at ringside. You do, yeah. You really do. Yeah, you really do. Um, so moving on to the next match of the first round, match seven was Rick Steiner and Buzz Sawyer versus the Italian Stallion and Coco Beware. And not to be disparaging to the Italian Stallion, but it does feel like Mr. Beware drew at the short straw here. Um, the Stallion did have a lovely pair of trunks, though, that were set out in the flag of Italy on both the front and the back. And, and Sawyer shouted at ringsiders, with a, hey, you just shut your mouth, I said. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure whether the I said bit was necessary there, Buzz. Um, but he did make up for it with some excellent chain wrestling with Coco. Um, the Stallion, I thought, had a phenomenal looking mullet. And I, and I didn't realise at the start, but the referee in here was an extremely young looking Earl Hebner. And this was a couple of years prior to his evil twin debut in the WWF. <laughs> Um, we got a there was one great shot. We got for some reason we got a zoom in on a photographer at ringside through Sawyer's legs during this. Which was a little <laughs> bit strange, almost like the, the whoever the camera person was, was like really attracted to this photographer and like zoomed in on him and then realised actually I was supposed to be taping the wrestling here, but that that survived the edit because I think this is just raw. This is just raw footage here. Um, at eight minutes, Sawyer dropped poor Coco onto the Superdome concrete floor with a suplex on the outside. Um, there was a long bear hug slash cuddle spot with Steiner and Coco where Steiner kept putting his foot on the ropes because clearly that would give a bear hug the extra strength that needed to get to a submission. Um, and Sawyer ended up winning this for his team in a long 15 minutes and 11 seconds after catching the stallion and drilling him with his always excellent looking power slam. I didn't think this was quite as much fun as the first match. But again, it's just interesting, as you said, the way this is taped. It's just very, very different, and you're 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 kind of in the face of the action here. So, what did you think about this uh, this second match on the on the tape that we've got here? Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, uh, like you said, you you feel like you're ringside. So, 
So you do miss some things, I guess, that's going on. But but again, as if you were at a match in that ringside, you would miss some things that yeah. were on the other side of the match. Uh, you know, Buzz Sawyer is one of those guys that that really drew me into wrestling in the early 80s. Yeah, I, I, I remember some of his promos when uh, he'd be on WTBS and, you know, he's looking into the camera and you would see his 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 gig marks, his battle scars, yeah. and they'd kind of be leaking blood, you know. And and he was one of those guys where, you know, you weren't growing up during that time, but but as I'm growing up during that time, we always had friends that would say, "Oh man, how do you watch that? That stuff's fake." Yeah. Well, then when you would see Buzz Sawyer having an interview, you would like be like, "Yeah," but do you see his forehead? Yeah. Obviously, there's something not, not fake here, you know, uh, and pertaining to this match. I love uh, Buzz Sawyer does this match, does this this move often he, when he takes the bump through the middle. Rope. Yes, it's I so mean, good. It's just it is so good. I, yeah. I mean, you know, so in spite of being an absolute lunatic uh, and a great promo guy, he is really good in the ring. He really he's is. A, he's yeah. a great bump taker. And, and just, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes he gets lost when people are talking about legendary wrestlers. And he probably mm. gets a, a bad rap because he had a bad reputation with, yes. with the guys. But, but he was truly one of the greats of all time. I've been very impressed with his work in and out of the ring during during this run. So, yeah, he, he's always a highlight in these, um, in these matches, definitely. Um, on to match eight of the first round. So the final match of this first round, we've got Black Bart and Jimmy Garvin, along with Precious versus Dave Peterson and Brett Sawyer. Um, and Sawyer has taken the prize for best mullet on the show from the Italian stallion here because he had this kind of like feathered, layered back, curtains on the top, just great. Did, did you ever used to rock a mullet back in the day, Terry? I, n- not intentionally. No, I never. <laughs> I, I would imagine I probably came close at times, but no, no, not even not in the same ballpark as some of these guys. I mean, surely this this haircut, I mean, everything that's old is, is new again at some point. But I don't feel like the mullets ever really come back, has it? I don't think from this sort oh. of 80s time. Only if you go to the deepest recesses of, of some trailer park in, in different parts of the world. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll bow down to your superior knowledge on, on that one. Um, Black Bart is someone I can remember hearing the name of, but I don't. I didn't think before this I'd ever seen him in a match before, and he was a former world-class world champion, holding that title for 27 glorious days in the early autumn of 1986, or fall for our American listeners slash co-hosts. What do you think about fall or autumn? I mean, I'm sure autumn is a word that you is in your kind of psyche, isn't it? I suppose in your vernacular. But yeah, it's just weird, isn't it? Fall is a very literal way of thinking about that season, which makes complete sense, isn't it? Well, I, I've never really thought of it either, either way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 we don't use autumn very often. No, yeah. Uh, but, but we use fall more. more so, Do you know uh, what, yeah. the, what? The thing that used to confuse me, and it took me a lot, because when I first was watching uh, American wrestling, I remember seeing some WWF in the 80s, but it wasn't really until we got satellite television installed in 1990. And the dates, American dates is really confusing when you're a kid and you don't understand what's going on. So you know your numbers for like, so today for you guys is what? 03, 27, 22. Right. So we're in the other way around. 
So we're 2703.22. Oh. So when I'm seeing like on WWF superstars, because obviously if you've got a if you've got a day that's after 12, you can kind of work it out. But it was like yeah. so on, on WWF superstars, and it'd be 010590. And I'm like, what what I don't we haven't got to that yet. I don't know what's going on. It's like it's, yeah. we're in April. I don't it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It's like back to the fifth of January. I, as far as I know, the only two places in the world that do that at the state, I think Canada do as well, don't they? So each in North America. And Japan also have their dates run that way, which is uh, which is interesting. Now, uh, you know, now that you say that, we do have, like, sometimes when you're doing documents, uh, say, closing on a house or something here in mm. the States, th- there will be, in, in some cases, where it might be uh, 27 March 22. Oh, okay, but, interesting. But, but we don't use the numbers typically in the, in that case. So if you're writing that, the date out, it might be that way around as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So so we kind of do that as well. We, we you might say March the 10th. You would definitely do that, but it's just the numbers ways the other way around. So you would get mm-hmm. that. Like if you, if it was on the news, like we'd say like March the 10th, 2022 or something, definitely. But it's just the numbers the other way around. So yeah, it's yeah. just it's just funny the um, kind of English language and how it's sort of been tweaked. And and, and I, I'm I'm, I'm this is probably quite dull to listen to, but I'm quite fascinated about, you know, when did some of these things, when did someone, when did someone decide that mum should be M-O-M and not M-U-M? So when did someone in America, presumably think this is, this is the English language and uh, because mother obviously is M-O-T-H-E-R. So that makes complete sense that mum is, would just be the shortened version of that. But the the English is is M U M. So when did well, I, I just perhaps I, perhaps there's a book out there in terms of like some of these tweaks things like color. So the the, this, the word color we've got a U in it. There's no cut. There's no it's, yeah yeah stuff like that. Who decided that and when did that become a thing? Is there a book? Perhaps I'll have a look on Amazon later on after we've finished around language differences. And and you know we opened our conversation of me saying I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. But yeah. actually, you've got a lot going on there too. <laughs> <laughs> I've got too much going on in my head. I should think about some more like more important things. There are these things that whiz around my head. So yeah, going back to uh, Black Bar, he um, he lost that world class world championship to Kevin Von Erich, and then he lost it to Housewives and podcast host favorite Al Perez by forfeit of all things. And when I read that, that the, the the world championship and world class was changed hand on a forfeit, I thought I actually wanted to kind of find go and find this television show to see how bad that must have been. But um, I didn't. Um, this was shorter than the first two matches with Garvin hitting a sort of implant DDT on Peterson for the win in six minutes and four seconds. What did you think of our closing first round match here? Well, uh, well, you know, Black Bart, he, uh, he was around a long time as far as my watching wrestling. Uh, he was, he actually, the, the first time I remember him, he came in as Rick the Hangman Harris. Okay. So if you, yeah. so if you look at any of the old Mid-South stuff, it, it, Rick the Hangman Harris, that's Black Bart. Uh, you know, he, he just, okay. I never really looked at him as a world champion. So, mm. so when he, he, when he, you know, cause I guess in my mind, when you, you think of a world champion, you think of them coming to the, to the desk and they got their suit on or at least they're looking sharp and they got the belt he, he just doesn't look that hard he doesn't uh, no. you know uh brett wing was always a, a a good a good hand uh you know sometimes he went by brett wayne sawyer sometimes yep. it was just brett wayne um uh, 
you know, I, I, I like to get into these rabbit holes on YouTube with wrestling. S something maybe to note. Uh, there's a great one out there where uh, Buzz Sawyer is in Atlanta wrestling. Mm. Brett, Brett Wayne is in Portland wrestling. And he absolutely gets destroyed by some guys. And I don't remember who it was. It might have been Buddy Rose or something. But he is as bloody as you've ever seen a wrestler and buzz a buzz is kind of doing that face turn where he's like, I'm coming to get my brother and coming oh, to help really? my yeah. brother. It's a really cool angle. And like I said, it's take, it's putting two promotions together, but that's my favorite Brett Wayne Sawyer uh, moment. Oh, that's there. great. Yeah. So yeah, I imagine the crowd erupted when he came and like basically ended up coming to his brother's aid there. Definitely. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So into the second round, and what a way to start with the reigning NWA World Tag Team Champions, the Midnight Express, versus Nelson Royal and Sam Houston. Um, mm. Nelson Royal was a completely new name for me, and he was 50 at the time of this match. And believe it or not, he'd been the NWA World Tag Team Champion as long ago as 1963, so 33, uh, no, 23 years. Maths is always a strong point. 23 years before this is one half of the Medics tag team. Um, and this ended in just one minute and 47 seconds with Royal taking the full. And I'm, if, I'm honest, if I'm on it, if I'm completely honest about this, I missed the ending because I was doing my research about uh, Nelson Royal thinking this is must go more than 90 seconds. So I missed the ending, ever the professional. Anything to add on this Midnight Express versus Nelson Royal and Sam Houston uh, match in the second round here? No, because I've probably watched this Crockett Cup or at least have had it on in the background, mm. I would say 10 times. Wow. At least 10 times. And I've never seen this match. This is the always the, the bathroom break match. <laughs> uh, you know, again, no disrespect. Nelson Royal had a long and, and solid career. Um, by the time I started watching wrestling, he was on the back end. As, we, as you just mentioned, he's 50 here. Uh, just I remember him more actually like in the Starcades doing mm. uh, commentary in the back with, oh, with, okay, some, of the, with, with some of the wrestlers. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so. Uh, so anyway, uh, I don't have anything to add to this. Either. Nothing else on Nelson <laughs> Royal. But we've got a, a big star studded uh, match again in the next one. Magnum T.A., the reigning NWA United States champion, along with Ronnie Garvin versus Rick Steiner and Buzz Sawyer with uh, Buzz, Buzz basically recently taking Rick under his wing. And I realised at this point that Bruce Pritchard was the ring announcer here. Um, and it's always great to get a chance to see a favourite of the show, Magnum TA, in action again. Uh, and I enjoyed this five minute, 17 second effort quite a bit. And it ended with Magnum smashing Steiner with a belly to back suplex to advance. And he just, Magnum here, I mean, crikey, what an, he was an absolute tanned blonde adonis here like just unbelievable condition um anything to add on this uh this magnum and garvin versus steiner and sawyer match yeah th this would have been a match that that i would have paid money as a main event mm. at any time to go see because you know you got you got a couple great baby faces you got buzz who's the biggest heel in the world and you got Steiner, who you can tell is going to be a star at some yes. point. Uh, and, you know, again, me being an NWA guy, 
you know, I, I don't think there's anything cooler than the wrestlers with the with the gig marks on their head. And, <laughs> and, and, and Magnum was known for that, you know, so all, I, I always dug those cool headlock shots where you can see Magnum and you can tell he's been in a bunch of wars. He's been in know? some wars. Yeah, I just great, wish- great match. Yeah. I just wish what, I mean, I'm sure we all do, but what you just wonder what could it, we talked about this so much on the show, especially with his anger with Mr. Wrestling 2, what could have become of Magnum TA? Because he had it all. He had such a good look. He was so good in ring. I mean, he would have been an NWA World's Champion. I wonder, you know, would Vince, would Vince have snapped him up at some point? He was younger than, well, I've said before, he's younger than Ultimate Warrior. This guy was. So, you know, what what could have become of this, of this guy? Very sad. Um. So at the end of this match, we cut to a completely different camera angle. And it was like everything you've seen is kind of done. And that was the end of the first part of this, of this, um, of this, I'll say competition there. But I suppose it is, yeah, tournament, if you like. So basically that was the end of the afternoon session of this, um, of this Crockett Cup. And this got us into the evening session. Um, So Tony Schiavone welcomed us and he said that there were some teams ready to go Plus, we had Dick Slater and Jim Duggan upcoming, plus Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes for the NWA World's title. Jim Ross got on the microphone and explained the differences between the UWF and the NWA. All matches are 20-minute time limit. If there's a draw, then both teams are out. And same for a double DQ. Someone shouted, yeah, Jim Ross at this point, which is great. <laughs> um, the, we'll talk more about this, but the, the way this was mic'd, you really could hear individual members of the ringside crowd because it just, I don't know how, why, why this was. And it wasn't, the crowd wasn't dead. It was almost like there probably were microphones around them that were just like picking individual groups of people up. So you did get some interesting stuff as this went on. And Ross said that teams would only be allowed one save. I think Um, the pile driver and jumping from the top rope were allowed. This got big cheers, but foreign objects and throwing people over the top rope were not Ross said they'd go through the pairings that we'd be seeing, um, but this is a bit fast for me, and as we'll be reviewing it anyway, I didn't, I didn't stop the tape to go back. Um, so seemingly, a lot of the first show was somewhat lost the annals of time, and I guess with no intention to cover it camera-wise in the same way that this section was. Um, we then got Star Spangled Banner, uh, which I am fond of, but I do also really like America the Beautiful, as that's the song that they always have at the start of WrestleMania. So what's your what's your preference between those two sort of patriotic, big patriotic songs? I mean, obviously one's a national anthem. So I, you know, I guess that's probably heard a bit a bit more potentially. Yeah, I, I think the national anthem, and, and probably only because that is used in every sporting event. Yeah, yeah. You know, so whether whether you had a basketball game, a baseball game, a football game, you know, all of our major sports here in the States. Um, it's it's the national anthem. Yeah, it's a great and so, anthem. So 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 the America the Beautiful. Really, the only time you hear that is at WrestleMania. Oh, is it? Okay, you so know, Vince just likes yeah. it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so Vince I just think likes it's, it. It's a thing. Yeah, they're yeah. both excellent. I mean, we've we've got a few pages. I mean, our, our, our national anthem is 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 good, but I don't I don't think it's quite so. It hasn't got the. Um, it is quite emotional if you're like at an England football match and you're singing the national anthem, definitely. But I think start, start as weird as this to say about national anthems, I think Star Spangled Banner is like a better tune, if that makes sense. Like our, our national anthem is quite basic. So it's just like, God save the Queen, etc. And there's no like 
there's no kind of up and downs in terms of the music in it really particularly but we've got a few um funnily enough the the, the music you know pomp and circumstance that is used at your mm-hmm. kind of graduations and stuff um there's what there's some some words to that so we we i don't i can't i don't know which 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 came first but we've we use that as a, a tune called land of hope and glory which is quite emotional and that's that's really good so in in some of our because we're a bit mixed up here in that we've got a few countries under the banner of Great Britain, but sometimes in um, sports where it's just, where it's like England, Scotland and Wales, sometimes we use that as our national anthem rather than um, God Save the Queen, because it, get, it all gets a little bit political really. But yeah, yeah, I think that, I think you've got two great patriotic songs there. So it was, it was nice to hear this. Um, <laughs> Mark Youngblood and Wahoo McDaniel versus the Road Warriors next. And anyone's guess what round this is in? I guess it's the second round still. Um, and Youngblood got heavily he- heavily booed here, whereas the Road Warriors got huge cheers. Um, and there seems to be two hard cameras, one further off to the right of the ring and another a little closer that we use sparingly. And I thought Hawk just looked unbelievably huge here. Um, and, you know, even worryingly so, really, as it makes you wonder what he was putting his body through to look like that in 1986. Um, and I thought the Road Warriors were surprisingly giving in a match that only went four minutes and 18 seconds and ended with a hawk clothesline on Youngblood. And McDaniel looked like he was going to try and break up the pin, but didn't. I guess this is part of the save rule, but I didn't spot him having done one earlier in the match. Uh, what did you think here about the Road Warriors versus Wahoo McDaniel and Mark Youngblood? Yeah, same thing. Uh, you mentioned uh, this, according to Wikipedia, this is considered still a second round match yes. here. So, yeah. Uh, this is a second round match, but yeah, the, the road war is jacked up. Um, you, you know, you mentioned him being uh, them given a lot in this match. So I watched a match a while back from the Omni and the road warriors g- gave a lot in that match as well. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if again, because this wasn't really programmed to be 100% live WrestleMania type event, I wonder if it was treated more like a house show. So in those circumstances, the Road Warriors gave a little more yeah, than they yeah. might on TV. They may, they may well have done, because when you think about it, I mean, I don't know what the VHS uh, release would have done. I mean, I'm sure it probably did reasonably well, I think wrestling tapes were quite a big thing back then. But in terms of, you're talking about, um, I think the, the afternoon did three and a half thousand for the afternoon, which I think was considered a disappointment. The evening was about 13,000, um, which I think is pretty, is pretty decent. Uh, you know, 13,000 house, obviously it's a, it's a big building, but actually not a huge number of people ended up seeing this, but it just doesn't, it's, it's really, really weird. Cause I even, I even went back to watch the, unfortunately the, the final UWF television show leading into this is lost so that that doesn't exist, unfortunately, but I even watched the start of the, um, what would have been, I guess, the uh, Jim Crockett Saturday morning studio show from April the 19th, 1986, which is when this took place. Uh, and they were talking about it. They, were t- they had Flair on there and he was like, I'm going, I'm getting on a jet in a minute to go fly down to New Orleans. So it was all over the show, but all of those people watching had no way to watch it. So it's like, yeah, imagine if yeah. you were watching that at home, how grating would that have been? If you're like, well, I know Flair's versus Dusty Rhodes tonight and I know all these tag teams are in this, but I can't watch it. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, if you think about it, I mean, th- that was really my childhood because yeah. because because we wa- we would watch the Superstation on Saturday afternoon and they were talking about the Omni and and that was me. I would be like, "Holy crap, I yeah. wish I could be in the Omni." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So 
So it, it was kind of kind of similar situation, I guess. We, it was a little payback for the people in Atlanta. Yeah. We, us in Louisiana got to got to see it, you know. Uh, but I, I can't tell you how many times they would give those Omni cards, and you know, tonight in the Omni, you got, and be like, holy smokes, I really want to go to the Omni, uh, you know. Uh, so same same deal, you know. Joe, I had one in '97, so I I got really heavily back in. I, I always kind of watched and kept kept on things. Uh, around 96, 97, I was probably watching more WCW than I was WWF. But I got massively back into WWF with Steve Austin and the rise of him in 97. Um, but they had a, I had a, a show in Birmingham, which is kind of like halfway up the UK, like smack bang in the middle. Um, and I, I completely missed the on sale for this because it just wasn't in, you know, it wasn't in, I, I didn't know about it. I wasn't watching TV. So the week leading up to the event, I spent there was a there was a radio competition to win tickets to this event in Birmingham, and I was on it every single day, thinking I'm gonna <laughs> I've got to win, I've got to do this I've got to do this, and I didn't I didn't win it. And then the there's there was there was, back then there were two ways you could get satellite television. So one was satellite, and one was more akin to cable. But cable you couldn't get in you. Cable was a, like. A relatively late thing here because lots i remember lots of places and cable was cheaper than satellite but most roads didn't have cable in, until maybe like 93 94 ish but you could get a satellite it was more expensive anyway the satellite company and the cable company had a dispute and the cable company didn't offer the pay-per-view so not only was I not going to Birmingham, but because uh, my parents had cable, I couldn't watch it either. And this was uh, Bret Hart and Undertaker. And the big match of the night was Davy Boy Smith defending the European title against Shawn Michaels. And Shawn won. And it was nearly a riot in Birmingham that night. So I think Shawn <laughs> was supposed to do the job. And he was like, I'm not doing that. And they switched the... It was bad, actually, because I remember Davy Boy Smith's... I think his sister was was either dying of cancer or in a very bad way of cancer. And he oh. dedicated the match to her when he thought he was going to win. And then the, the finish oh. changed. So you wow. can imagine, I mean, this was yeah. all leading up to the Montreal screw job. So Michaels wasn't the most popular man, but yeah, that was, that was the one I remember just sitting, I was sitting at home and I was like, I, none of my friends that like wrestling have got, have got the satellite uh, thing. So I, I'm stuck here. And I didn't, I didn't, yeah. in the end, I didn't probably didn't see that event. The VHS probably came out a year later. So I would have to wait a year basically to see this thing. But yeah, there we go. Yeah. But I can imagine the frustration of people watching this. Like you just, I want to see this. But, and I think if this had been, I don't know what they did for the 87 show, but um, yeah, I think that they missed a trick here. Definitely. But as you said, people, perhaps that's the genius events, isn't it? Yeah. You know, people today really have no clue uh, what we went through. And then to, in a lot of extent with what you went through, because, yeah. you know, you got it everywhere now. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I can, I can, I can still remember as bad as my memory is. I can still remember when a friend of mine, two streets over got a satellite. Mm. And I remember us being able to go see some of those Madison square garden events. Oh yeah. Uh, on MSG oh, network or whatever it yes, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And you know, Jimmy Snooker and those guys and, you know, and then again, then, then, then we get the cable and, and the superstation and you get to see that and, you know, they had a couple wrestling magazines that you would wait for them to come out. But we were so starved because it was so hard to get wrestling then. Yeah. You know, nowadays it's 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 so oversaturated that people just take it for granted. You know, oh, all yeah. they, do is, they just poo poo on everything because, you know, they just spoiled. But uh, this back weekend, then, anything we could get. Yeah. hundred percent. So this weekend, I uh, so we're recording this a couple of weeks now. We're, what, 27th of March are recording this. So this weekend, I 
apart from it's a fight tv you can get pretty much whatever you want whatever you you could get some regional promotion in wherever you want to in america you can find it on fight tv but apart from that you had two stardom pay-per-views so japanese women's promotion you had two you had two new japan shows all of this stuff you can pay for either by a pay-per-view or subscription very very easily watch it on your tv watch it on your computer however you want so you can watch it you got smackdown last night that's on you know our, our satellite tv here you've got aw that's on fight as well it's like you've got all this wrestling that's so 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 easy and also yeah. as well if you don't want to pay for any of this stuff you can find it all online afterwards as well right. if you don't want to pay for anything um, so it's just like it's a di- it's a different world. I remember even when when we had that first before we switched to cable in maybe ninety two or ninety three. I don't know if this was ever a thing in where, where you are, but we had satellite in one room. So our main living room had satellite television, but you couldn't at that back then. It was so expensive and cost prohibitive to have it in more than one room that if you were it so say there was and I, I remember there was one one vivid one i can't remember what my parents were watching there was a saturday night's main event in at the start of 1992 so the build-up to wrestlemania 8 that my parents were watching something else so i couldn't record it because you could only record on satellite what was on the screen. I don't know if you ever had anything like this. So not only was it like you couldn't get access to some of this stuff, but even when you did have access to it, well, if my, I think that might have been tape delay. Let's say it was 48 hours after it in the States, but you've got no way of knowing what happened. You, if you, there's no internet, you know, wrestling magazine, you'll find out about it in about two months time as to what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, well, and I remember like if, if whatever they were watching, if a break came on, I would quickly flick it over to the channel that the wrestling was on <laughs> and watch like two minutes of it while yeah. the adverts were on. But it's like, did you, do you ever remember that? Was it, were any of your TV systems like that back in the day? Well, to ours was even to the extreme where our satellite was the dish in the backyard and we had to, that's what we had as well. Yeah. yeah. Had to physically move it. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, same thing. And I don't think we had it in more than one room. I think it was just in, just our, a, in yeah, our living yeah. room. Yeah. It was only later with cable. The, when the cable was was in, it was they. It seemed to be easier for them to wire that into different rooms. So that's when we had two boxes at home. But that that original satellite dish in 1990, if it was raining, or I mean, we didn't get snow very often. But if it was raining or snowing, and you turn the satellite on, you could see the the things going down the screen. That's how bad it was. Like the, and I remember when we had snow once. It froze on the antenna, so it was like blocking, and you couldn't see anything. And my dad had to get up a ladder and like knock the thing down to try. And, wow. I can't remember what we used to watch, but that that day that we got satellite television, it was the first day of the 1990 Football World Cup. So it was the first World Cup I could remember. Like I was alive for '86 and '82, but I was too young. So it's like my first football world cup I don't know if you've got. You, I know you uh, trading cards are big in the states, aren't they? But we oh, we, yeah. we had stickers. So this great big folder, this great big red folder, World Cup 1990. I've still got it at my mum's, actually. And you collect all the stickers and you peel it off and stick it in the book. And I had that ready. It was all the facts. First day of the World Cup, we got Sky Satellite installed. And I think I stayed up late with my dad watching like some baseball thing or something. It's just like, this is the best night of my entire life. (laughs) So all I'm going to do for the rest of my life is watch sport. I just absolutely love it. Um, And that's that. And that's when we started watching WWF just after that again as well, because we hadn't had any rest on our television for two years at that point, because it got cancelled, unfortunately, the old British stuff. So there we go. We've got quite a tangent there before. um, Yeah, before we go on. So 
We've got a promo next up with a gentleman talking about whipping Jimmy Valiant while holding some of his hair. Um, and he said he said he, he was going to whip him like a dog. But I really hope people don't whip dogs. Do you have any pets, Sarah? I don't know if we talked about this. You got a dog? I do. We, we've we got yeah. uh, we've got a puppy and we've got a couple cats, too. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, we've got yeah, two cats. Yeah. But we really would like a dog as well. But our cats are a little bit difficult. So we're not going to do that at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. but do you have a show called The Dog House in, in America? Have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of. So my wife and I've got massively, this is a big tangent where I've got massively into it recently. And it's like a rescue, a dog rescue center. And it'll be like a couple will turn up and be like, it's usually some sort of awful story. Like they've lost their parent recently or something. So it's like something like really emotional and like, I really, like we really want a dog. It's going to feel like a big hole in our lives. And then, they, and then they run through what they want. And like sometimes some their particular breeds are interested. If it's an older couple, they need like a less lively dog. And then they're matched up with the dog. And then you're just like, oh, I just really want this dog to behave for this people. Like, I really want them to pick them. And then they like, usually it's, it's, all, it's, like, it's all good. And then at the end, it follows up on whether they've taken the dog or not. And they always try and trick you. It's like, oh, no, they, you, they haven't got the dog. And then the dog will come running. And you're like, yeah, they've taken the dog. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Like, we've literally binged about 40 episodes of this thing i think we're probably <laughs> going to watch it when we finish actually as well sorry right on to this promo it was pez Watley. they didn't announce that and i've i, I realized that after a after a bit of research um, and then we got a grating cut just valiant was out of there without knowing how he got out there and then um the person i didn't know uh was Watley. Watley he retreated along with paul jones so yeah i don't know if you have anything to add on this but this is a bit of a weird segment really it felt like this could have should have stayed on the cutting room floor really not, yeah, not not really. Uh, you know, uh, Pistol Pez Watley, and sometimes he went by Shaska Watley. I, yeah. I don't remember what uh, phase this is, but he 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 was okay. You know, never did a whole lot for me. Paul Jones. By the time we we got to start seeing him, he was more of a manager, and he you know he was just okay. Uh, uh, so you know, it is what it is. Yeah, not, nothing nothing spectacular on my end either. No, it felt like about six months this break here, but we finally got another tournament match with Ivan and Nikita Koloff, along with Korchenko and Eddie Gilbert versus Jimmy Valiant um, and the raging bull Manny Fernandez, who got a really positive reaction from this crowd. Um, Ivan's special boys place got a pounding during this, thanks to a need to the jewels from Valiant. I sometimes forget what I've written in my notes because then I was like, <laughs> Ivan's special boys place got a pounding. Wow. Um, <laughs> thanks to a need to the jewels from Valiant, followed by him being dragged grapefruits first into the steel ring post by Fernandez. Uh, the crowd were really into Valiant and Fernandez here. However, they came up on the losing end after Valiant was struck with a clothesline from the non-legal man. And that was enough for the one, two, three in eight minutes and 58 seconds. Your thoughts on the Koloffs versus Valiant and Fernandez here. Uh, I, I, again, I, I, I say this probably ad nauseum. You know, Manny Fernandez had the perfect NWA wrestler forehead, you know, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and so did Ivan. Ivan's was just up and down, north and south. Manny was east and west. Uh but uh, perfect wrestler foreheads. Jimmy Valiant is one of the guys, though, I think was one of the most disappointing to see, actually see wrestle. He, mm. he was a guy for me that was always on the after magazines. And, and uh, you know, you would always see Jimmy Valiant wrestling Roddy Piper or Paul Jones's army. And you'd see him on the cover of these magazines. But to me, at, this, at least at this point, he was such a goof as yeah. far as a wrestler. He's, he's, you know, shaking his head up and down. And 
it, it just uh, it, he was a little much for me. Uh, so so I wasn't a big fan of watching him uh, at this point. But I I, lo- I loved Manny. I I, lo- I loved the the Russians. So uh, so to me that made it that made it a good match for me. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good actually. Nine minutes is about about a nice time for it. Um, Terry Taylor and Dr. Death were in ring for a while when a guy in a light grey suit jacket came out and spoke to Bruce Pritchard. Pritchard then explained that these two were supposed to be up against Rick Martel and Dino Bravo, but Pritchard explained that Bravo unfortunately was in the emergency room with appendicitis. I, I think I've mentioned this on the on the air before, but I had an appendicitis in Mexico while on holiday. So my appendix remained in a Cancun hospital and I did not come Ooh. home with me. Yeah, after after WrestleMania in New Orleans, actually, funnily enough, that was. Ooh. So, yeah, wow. yeah. I'm just glad that I got, um, we missed, we were planning on having like a boozy pool day because uh, we were there with my wife and another couple. But I'm just glad that I got to like the, it was pretty much, I think it was three days before we were due to come home. So I was able to still fly home on the flight as planned. But I didn't miss WrestleMania. I'd have been gutted if that had been like two days before WrestleMania or something. And the whole holiday had been gone. But that was, yeah, yeah. that was my only experience of the Superdome and also the Lakefront UNO Arena I went to that weekend as well, which yeah. is great for a Ring of Honor show, which was really good, which was Kenny Omega and uh, and Cody Rhodes, who by the time that you're listening to this, will have de- I, it's a running joke on the podcast. I keep saying Cody's going to be in WWE every week and he's, he's not. By the time this is out, he'll have beaten Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. That's my that's my prediction. So yeah, <laughs> if if uh, if Stu or Mark are listening, because Stu laughs every week, I say every week, that's going to happen. So yeah, that was the main event of that night. It was a really really fun show. Uh, so where were we? Yeah, so basically, um, the grey suit guy turned out actually to, to be Martel himself, and Pritchard said that Taylor and Williams would advance by forfeit. Any any thoughts on this? It's kind of like a bit of a weird segment, wasn't it? But then we got there, what we got where we needed to get to, basically. Yeah, I, I thought it was very nice of Rick Martel uh, to, uh, to to make an appearance, even yeah. though he didn't have to wrestle. I, I wonder how much he. Uh, I wonder if if he he said, "Hey, look, you know, uh, you guys are supposed to pay me. I'm getting a payday." So, uh, so, so maybe the promoters just said, "Hey, then, then you got to at least come show up in the ring and and, and show your face." I don't know, I'm but I, I thought it was kind of yeah. odd. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't get a sub for him. Um, I was just looking at also. I was Dino Bravo a face at this time. It just it just seems a bit of an odd. Just looking at Rick Martell in um, in 1986, but he'd already been um, he'd already been AWA World Champion at this point. So he was a. I, I would have thought that Martell. I know 86 AWA is kind of like on the downward, but yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he kind of let. Yeah, he was. He was, he was in between Montreal and. Uh, yeah, it was pretty much predominantly in Montreal up to this point. But he did do a few spots in. No, okay, so later '86 he joined WWF. So he was done in AWA. So I suppose. Yeah, it's just although he did come back for Wrestle Rock, um, which was funnily enough was the day after this show uh, in Minnesota. Um, so he wrestled Harley Race at that. But he was kind of done with the AWA apart from that. And he was just wrestling back in Montreal. And it seemed like he was tagging a bit with Dino Bravo. But yeah, it just seems odd, doesn't it? I don't, I don't know. He lost, the, he lost the AWA world title at the start of 86. But yeah, it's weird. I'm so, surely they could have got someone else in there to sub and then yeah. take, uh, take the pin, wouldn't you? But maybe maybe there was no one around. Um, next up, we had quite the star-studded match. Now, I must be honest, Terry. I think you were quite positive about the Sheep Herders at the, earlier on. Now, I don't mind them too much in-ring. 
but I absolutely hate their promos with a fiery really? passion. Yeah, I can't stand it. <laughs> I can't stand it. Now, I don't know whether this is because um, when I was doing some of the notes for some of the shows I've done recently, I wasn't feeling all that well with what would turn out to be COVID and it was giving me a headache. And yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not. There's one promo on the show that I did that will come out the week before this one where they were in a hotel with Jack Victory and Jack Victory's girlfriend's introduced. You've probably yep. seen that as classic. Yep. And that yep. promo was so good. And I'm convinced that the reason that promo was so good, because someone said to them, I'm sure that you can film in this hot, this hotel, but you've got to keep it down. So what they did, <laughs> they didn't shout. And I'm like, this promo is so good. Just stop shouting. It's so, so good. But yeah, it was these two versus Ricky and Robert. So the Rock and Roll Express, and they got a huge, huge ovation from this crowd. Um, I just find, do you know what I find bizarre is the New Zealand flag stuff? Because the New Zealand has got to be one of the least offensive places on planet Earth. <laughs> Obviously, it's it like it's been waved around like it's like a yeah. real kind of because oh yeah, that old grudge between the United States and, and New Zealand of all places. Yeah, um, yeah. So so much so that so um I'd say that our kind of number two sport in in England is cricket, I'd say, in terms of like interest. So we we beat New Zealand in the final of the Cricket World Cup in 2019, the first time we'd ever won it. It was a massive, massive deal. But I'll be honest, like I felt a bit sorry for New Zealand in that. Now, if it was Australia or someone like that, I wouldn't have, I'd have felt the absolute opposite. But because it was New Zealand, like a small country, like not the much smaller population than us, but you know, everyone that goes to New Zealand always says it's amazing, it's such a nice place, such nice people. And I was like, I even I kind of oh, I feel a bit, I feel a bit sorry for these guys. And they lost <laughs> it. I'm trying to think about if you can imagine like an American football uh um kind of uh comparison they lost it if it, they would have lost it let's say tre- i don't know if you can even have treble over time but let's say as much overtime as you can possibly yeah. get and they lost it in the last second of whatever wow. the last end in the worst possible way they it was literally <laughs> like all their hearts were ripped out of their chest to lose uh. this to lose this um lose this thing and they got a really bit really bad bit of bad luck like that happened in that game, which I won't even try and explain, but it's like an f- absolute <laughs> freak thing that I've never seen in cricket before. And as a result of that, that ended up with them f- further down the line losing. But yeah, I just find it interesting that they, you know, that that's that's the kind of hated country in this. That's this that's uh this good old New Zealand. Um, the the end of this match was a bit of a royal mess to be honest. Is Jack Victory got in there with the refs back turned, but when Morton fought him off and hit him with the flagpole. The useless referee Hebner decided that that was a disqualification offence, even though victory wasn't in the match. Um, and the Superdome crowd agreed with me here with a vociferous chant of bullshit. Um, yeah, I I, I, can't, I was watching the show pretty much blind to what happened. I didn't read any spoilers ahead. So I was just thinking at this point, I really hope this is not a sign of things to come in terms of the booking and teams not doing jobs. Um, yeah, I didn't didn't know how long this was. Um, but what are your thoughts on Sheep Herders versus the Rock and Roll Express here? Yeah, it, it, it was it was really a typical '80s finish. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. You know, these days you could never get away with it. You know, no. the people on the internet would lose their minds. But but mm. you know, uh, and we've talked about this multiple times on the show. You know, some of these finishes in the '80s, I guess it. You know, they were probably happening every night of the week, but you only saw it one night because the other ones were in different towns and in yeah. different places. And so it, it wasn't, it didn't appear to be overused, um, but, but I guess they had to figure out a, 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 a solid way for the sheep herders to ex- advance 
and uh, and the Rock and Roll Express to lose without taking any any steam off of the Rock and Roll Express, you know, yes. and, and, and adding heat to the sheep herders, you know, and and it's interesting what you say about the flag, you know, I guess it just goes to show you how how hated they were. They yeah. could have really used any flag. Yeah. You know, they, they could have maybe been from Ethiopia and you would have hated them, uh, <laughs> you know, because they, they, they were such heels. And and and, uh, and and I love their promos. But 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 I do know that you don't like people screaming in promos no. because yeah, you said the same thing about Butch Reed. Yes. You know, uh, I like Butch Reed's softly spoken stuff so much. But right, the shout, I right. can't deal with the shouting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, I, I just I just love the sheep herders. Uh, it, it's funny they're one of those teams when when people talk about how the uh, Vince McMahon turns people into cartoons. Yeah, if you watch the sheep herders, they're cartoons in a lot of ways t- here as well. The only difference is they're gigging themselves and they're bleeding. They're violent, aren't they? They're violent. Yeah. But, but, but if you, if you take the violence away, you take the, take the blade, you take the blood, you take all of that away and just look at their goofy interviews. It's, it's pretty much the that same Jack thing. That is the same thing. It really is. Yeah, it really <laughs> yes, is. Yes. They're looking at each other and they can't believe it. He's walked in with this, like this statuesque uh, kind of beautiful girl. And it's like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, there's an yes. interesting one with the sheep herders uh, coming up later, um, which which is which is quite the contest uh, and and a, and a match that was kind of lost, I think, for a long time. Um, obviously, it's more available now, but in the '80s was, was something a lot of people really sought out to see. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, next up, and this got me genuinely excited: match number five in the second round of elimination, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, and these two were TV champion and NWA national champion, respectively. And they were up against the Fantastics, and the Fantastics had changed from their earlier gear and now had black with gold jackets. And Arn and Tully were out with JJ Dillon. Rogers invited Anderson to kiss his rear end in the early going, and at the four-minute mark, we got a great strut and dance combo from our heroes. Um, Dylan booted Fulton in the midsection on the outside with the ref facing in that direction, but he did not manage still to spot it, nor did he spot a few minutes before that Blanchard tugging so hard at Fulton's trunks in a pinning attempt that we're lucky we didn't end up seeing little Fulton on this uh, on this show as well. <laughs> um, this again was good fun, enjoyable and had a great finish. Um, Anderson hit a front suplex and looked to have Rogers beaten, but Fulton made the save. He was then laid out by Blanchard, but in ring as Anderson tried to slam Rogers, Fulton hit him with a drop kick. So ran, Rogers landed on Arn, and that was enough for the one, two, three to the absolute delight of this Superdome crowd. Um, what did you think about the uh, Anderson and Blanchard versus the Fantastics match here? Yeah, again, this period of time, uh, I was in the military. And so I learned to like the Fantastics much more later after seeing them on, on video. Uh, but they, they were a fun team. And and Tully Blanchard, to me, was the epitome of a heel back then. Yeah, he he, he wasn't he wasn't an Abdullah the Butcher or Bruiser Brody uh, uh, monster heel. He was just a cowardly bump taking heel. He would you know he would bleed when he needed to bleed. You could, he would bump across the ring for you. He always seemed to to be on the raw end of the deal. He was a perfect example of someone who never had to win a match, yeah. but would always be in a main event because he was so good on the mic and he was so easy to dislike 
and, and just an, uh, an amazing opponent. Yeah. Uh, I, I really appreciate Tully a lot more now than I did then uh, because he, he was just a great uh, uh, heel opponent. Yeah, he re- he really really was, um, and I th- I think it's a shame because I I, I think that his um, his run with FTR in AEW is done, which is which is a bit a bit of a shame really because I think he he really added to that act, and I think he he's definitely someone that with the benefit of hindsight, people really can like um, see just how good this guy was. And I know that after his WF run, he didn't come end up coming back for Crockett because I think there were some issues there. But yeah, probably someone that could have done, you know, some high level stuff for quite some time to, some time to come after this. Um, Bruce Pritchard then led us into intermission, talking about the next Superdome show and also encouraged people to hold off on making their vacation plans because the Great American Bash was coming in July. We haven't got any more info, but please watch Universal Wrestling Federation, <laughs> World Championship Wrestling on TBS. So just put your, put your plans on hold. But we're not going to tell you anything about it at this point. Absolutely not. Um, so our final match before we take a little bit of a break uh, and you're going to have to wait until next week to find out who wins this great tournament, is Jimmy Garvin and Black Bart versus the team I never realised I need to see until this very moment, Giant Baba and Tiger Mask. So Baba, the originator of All Japan Pro Wrestling, was in there with the second incarnation of the Tiger Mask gimmick. And this was the future, am I going to butcher this name, Mitsuhuru Misawa. I did a good job of that. Bubba was only 48 here, but looked quite a bit older. And believe it or not, he would be having matches for another 12 years, which is quite scary, really. Um, And also, in an odd twist of fate, the last wrestling match that Bubba ever saw live was on January the 22nd, 1999, as Toshiaka Kawada, and I butchered that a little bit, defeated Mitsuru Masawa himself for the Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship. These Japanese names, in my head, I can say them, but when I actually try and say them out loud, I always tend to butcher <laughs> one. Um, Baba, though, tall, looked very frail at this point, and his offence was a little bit challenging on the eye, albeit Bart and Garvin did their best to bump for him. Um, the finish came in 7.52 when Baba hit an absolutely nothing-looking kick to the chest of Bart, and that led to the 1-2-3. And I bet Bart was thrilled with how that finished. Um, I thought Masawa in the Tiger Mask role looked really good, um, but I can't say too much positive about the rest. And um, Precious got in Bubba and Masawa's face afterwards, but they just walked off, just ignored it. And um, what did you think of this uh, Garvin and Black Bart versus Giant Bubba and Tiger Mask match? Yeah, I, I agree with you here. Uh, I, I didn't know which Tiger Mask this was, uh, so I appreciate you filling this all in on that. I, I, I do remember, as we talked about those early satellite cable days, one of the first Madison Square Garden events I saw was with Tiger Mask and Davy Boy Smith. And that was just amazing, you know? Yes, that's the original I, one, him. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and I, I never had heard of him to that point. So that was cool. I said earlier how Jimmy Valiant was one of the most disappointing people to finally see Russell live. Uh, let me let me say se- he's only second behind Giant Baba. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he just uh, yeah, Giant Baba. It's hard to believe that, that you just said he's going to be in the ring twelve more years. Oh, because- there's some stuff with Andre the Giant in the early nineties, which has to be seen to be believe really how bad it is. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. I think I think Andre's some of Andre's last matches might have been in tags with. Um, either with Bubba or against Bubba. I'm just going to have a quick look at that. But yeah, it's um, it's not a great look, is it really, here? Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, not 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 the best. Um, yeah, just mm. have a quick look at um, quick look at Andre here. Yeah, so Andre's last ever match was him, Bubba, uh, and Russia Kimura um, against uh, Haruka Aigen, Masanobi Fuchi, and Matoshi Okuma in the All Japan Real World Tag League in December '92. I think he passed away in January '93. So, yeah, not not much longer for this for this world. But some of that All Japan stuff is is quite sad to see. But what is not sad to see is going to be the second part of our Crockett Cup 1986 review. We've got the quarterfinals. We've got a North American title match. We've got a world title match to come. So stick with us. We'll be back next week. Terry, thank you very much for your time on the show. And we shall be back with you next week for the concluding part of Crockett Cup 1986. Yeah, this is Eric Watts. And for all you phenomenal wrestling fans and fans of this podcast, please do me a favor. If you're looking at uh, more information about Mid-South Sports, Power Pro Wrestling, Universal Wrestling, go to universalwrestling.com and check out that website. It's a must-see.